We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the Titans. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the tot. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. Welcome to the Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson, Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. We are partnered with 440 Sports. Check out all the great podcasts 440 has, all the great podcasts Broadway has, content, articles, everything you want, our new uh, joint venture with No Flags film, all that and more at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Jonathan, it is a winter wonderland outside right now. In fact, that's why we're separate. We're usually in the same room. For this podcast, so we can both be on the mic and both sound equally wonderful. But we're having to do this a little remote, much like our jobs, because the roads are undrivable and everything is covered with snow and just absolute crap. <laughs> How you doing, man? Yeah, it, I'm good. Got out, uh, got in the snow for a little bit, but the temperatures are plummeting. So the Wonderland, if anybody's familiar with the Nashville area, um, not equipped for this kind of thing. So it should be, it should be a fun couple of days. No, I saw these circle, uh, around, uh, Nashville, the, I, you know, 24, 440, 40, all that good stuff, just filled with red on the maps from all the cars. I can't believe people had to get out in this stuff today. And I, I you know, my thoughts go out to you cause that's just miserable having to drive out in this weather, especially cause I know the roads aren't salted like properly, like they should be in areas and they're not plowed and all that good stuff. And you don't have those snow tires or the, uh, the chains on your snow tires or whatever. So not, not a good look for anybody. So that's what's going on in Nashville. That's, that's, uh, we're having to deal with a little bit of that. The city is a, a Whataburger just opened up though. That was the big thing for the news. Uh, here this week. A bunch of psychopaths is who's <laughs> dealing with that. So let me, Two hours for any fast food is lunacy. That's, that's actually where I wanted to start it. And that you answered my question because I asked you if there was any kind of fast food restaurant that was worth And I'm a Whataburger fan and I think it's insane to, to wait that long in line. But is there, so now that you've answered the fast food question, is there any type of food that you would wait in a line for, for two hours? No. No, because there's, well, I mean, if, it's, if, if there's nothing within a two hour radius of me, then maybe that's the only scenario. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah. So, I guess we're in agreement, though, that it's kind of psycho to uh, wait two hours for a, a fast food, no matter how good it is. I don't understand. I got, uh, you know, JG uh, Titans Film Room out in California it talks about In and Out burgers and the lines that are around those, those establishments constantly. I've never had an In and Out burger, so I can't speak to it, but. I've never had a burger that's going to make me stay stay in a line. I do like Whataburger, and I will not uh, tolerate Whataburger slander Zach Lyons of F Words Pod. You jerk. He's not going to listen to this anyway. What am I kidding? So anyway, uh, but th- there was other news in Nashville. The Titans had about the perfect, most perfect Sunday you could ask for. Uh, clinched the division. Colts lost, regardless of that. That had, didn't help clinch the division, but they lost. So that was great. And then the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Giving as of right now, the Titans the number one seed in the AFC. It's it's spectacular Sunday for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, like you said, is they've had a couple of Sundays like that where they've gotten a lot of help. Um, I think the bye week was pretty pretty good for them as well. So, uh, not much you can ask for now. You just got to go take care of business. You got one game left, uh, and you know you can't take the Texans lightly because do I think the Texans are probably as close to an NFL team that is going to quit this weekend? I I do. Um, I I think the Titans probably end up winning comfortably spoiler alert for my pick at the, at the (laughs) end, but 
ultimately, uh, if you lose twice to the Houston Texans in a season, I don't want to hear any Titans fans out there complaining because, frankly, you don't right. deserve the number one seed. Right. You still know my talking points for later. I definitely had that because I was going to quote you and give you your credit where it's due. That, that, that you, you came out and said that. There's definitely, um, you know, you don't deserve it if you can lose to the Texans and not, not in this season, not the way it's going. Uh, Cause you've got to assume the chiefs are going to win this weekend. You got to assume everybody you, you need, you would need to lose would win. So you control your own destiny. You win number one seed. Um, let's talk about the Miami game just a little bit. And the big thing, not, not one of the big things. One thing I just want to get out of the way. I'm still kind of hurting a little bit over the Mike, Michael Pruitt loss, but the Titans did this week go out and sign Ryan Izzo off the Seahawks practice squad to try to make up for that. Um, I, It's fine. Uh, I think if they're going to plug him in and try to play him into the Michael role, I think that he's a good enough blocker to do that. I don't know much else about him other than the little bit of game film I was able to find. Uh, we'll just have to see how he does, but it, it's still, I, I guess what I'm saying, I'm still hurting from it because I hate it for Michael, the person. And, and how he kind of went about getting back on the team and what he meant in his versatility. I don't think it's a necessarily deep blow, but I hate that they're going to lose that that kind of swing tight end that can do a little bit of everything for them. Uh, not as good as some others in their past, but still, it, it sucks for the Titans to have to try to replace it at this point in the season. Look, I, I'm as big of a fan of Michael Pruitt as anybody. I, I think it, it, the way he plays the game um, is the way any coach wants your player to play. Literally gives everything he's got. He's not the most athletic dude, um, but just willing. And the guy that has worked his tail off to uh, kind of get where he's at. Not that anybody in the NFL hasn't worked hard. I mean, uh, there's levels of working hard. There's the uh, Brian Cushing, who apparently has ex- uh, elevated levels of testosterone in his body that he tests positive for banned substances because he works so incredibly hard. Um, and then there's, little, you know, little shot there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's still my greatest. That's the funniest story I've ever heard in the NFL. A guy, I'm going to go on a little rant here just because anytime I get a chance to play, like this a guy that says that he works so hard he tested positive for banned substance which means that he is saying he is the hardest working human being that has ever played professional football ever he outworks everybody and that's a man on the same team as jj watt who is also touting that i wonder if they ever got into fights into locker rooms talking about how hard they work little shoving little little testosterone shoving match around the uh around the, yeah, the weightlifting equipment yeah. All that to say, hate it for Michael Pruitt. I do think he is a loss to the team. Um, I, is it is it going to change you know their trajectory because of him? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the way he plays, he is a very competent blocker, mm-hmm. uh, and that is something we know about Ferkser. We know about Swaim is willing, but it, he he is your best blocking tight end. There's a difference between a willing blocker and a capable blocker and then a blocker that uh, you can trust. And I think that Michael's that Michael in this offense was a blocker that this uh the Vrabel and this offensive coaching staff could trust and that the running backs could trust. I mean he he kind of proved that throughout. Um so that that's what sucks for me is that they're losing that guy who is dependable. It wasn't over the top great, but he just got the job done over and over and over again. So uh, we'll, we'll see as they continue to get healthy and get some other guys back. I don't have the, I, I've been meaning to look up all week so I could talk about it to <laughs> Carter when he's coming back. Cause he kind of picked up a little bit there and I was wondering if he could pick up some slack there once he got healthy, but I think he was on IR. I'm not sure when he's coming, coming back. We need a producer for these kinds of stats that can keep me honest on the fly. Um, well, I don't think Car- Carter is not a tight end. He's a true fullback. No, if yeah. If you but, were going to flex one of your two fullbacks, which you keep rostered like the only team in the NFL, 
NFL that does so, uh, then it would have been blasting game. That sure. Flexing out there. Let me complete my thought. That's why I'm saying. Like, no, you I can, won't allow you, that. You can, you can flex blasting game out and Carter can pick up the slot. That way you don't have to lose anything. So yeah, you, we were on the same mind. You, you actually read my mind there. I knew you, you were getting what I was saying without my, my idiot self saying it. Um, but no, that's my point is that I don't know about Carter, um, what his status is, so what you can do with blasting game or with Izzo or, or whatever. But again, with the, the Titans, as much as they run the ball and are going to look to run the ball in the playoffs, try to control the clock, control the game with their stellar defense that they have now. And yes, that does sound weird, but I can confidently say that they're stellar defense. So let's actually, we normally start with offense from the Dolphins game. Let's start with the defense just real quick, because there was a lot of positives, um, going through this, but one negative that we saw was that after a couple of weeks of singing some praises of Rashawn Evans, he crashed back down to earth, not only hard, but probably had his worst game in a Titans uniform. So we have this weird spectrum, right? You literally two weeks ago said that you might've seen his best game in a Titans uniform and you might've just seen his worst game in a Titans uniform versus the Dolphins. Yeah, and look, I, I think it was last week where I said that Rashawn Evans was having his best season as a Titan, so probably um, I'm the reason that he fell back <laughs> down is because I put it out into the ether. So um, not going to apologize because it's still true at the time, and just like that was a terrible game. So it, I, I think when it comes to Evans, you kind of saw some limitations. They, the Dolphins run a lot of RPO stuff with Tua in the backfield mm-hmm. um, and get him guessing a little bit. Um, and that is how what Rashawn Evans has struggled with over right. the years. Uh, if you can get him thinking, it's usually a not blender. a great uh, thing. And look, the, the the tandem of Evans and Cunningham has been pretty good over the last few weeks. Um, but what this game really showed is the difference in the two of them, ultimately. Because if you're watching the tape, you can see Cunningham just frankly plays the game at a much, much faster pace. Um, his reactions, his reading is on a different level compared to Rashawn Evans. Right, right. And and that brings me to the next question, because I think that we had discussed kind of in private in the chats as well about what the linebacker rotation looks like going forward. And, and you don't ever want to judge one game off someone, but I think that it's going to be dependent on what type of, in my opinion, I think it's dependent on what type of offense they're playing from here moving forward. I would rather this, them see them deploy some sort of combination of, of Cunningham and Long uh, against more more offenses. They're going to put that put that pressure on the middle of the field kind of thing. Give them an athletic option next to Cunningham as well. Jalen Brown's still there as well. But what what is your expectations for that linebacker rotation? Because it's it's gone from with the addition of Cunningham and with how what long can do you've got some options there at linebacker that's just not it's just not your standard you have to play Evans and you have to play Cunningham next to each other yeah I think ultimately it is going to be matchup dependent I think they have shown that uh, they likely are going to put Rashawn Evans next to Cunningham at least to start out the game um now that was David Long's first game back so there is a possibility they were trying to work him in a little bit Mm -hmm. slower but he definitely got into the game a bit more um I think the the risk you have with Long is that he sometimes takes himself out of plays and he is a bit smaller Evans at least gives you uh, uh, some size in there so I would like if it were me i would run with long um and cunningham just from the get-go and let them be your guys that i mean you can bring in evans and some goal line packages if you're going heavy um very matchup dependent but if you're asking me to pick two starting inside linebackers i'm rolling with long and cunningham i think this is an athletic league they are your most athletic 
uh, linebackers. Um, yeah, I mean, Jayon Brown is is an athlete, but he has kind of fallen off over the last two years. I don't know if injuries are caught up with them or what. Yeah, he's not on the same pace he was uh, back back when they were catching long up to speed. I had an argument on – not an argument. I made a, a statement on Twitter where I got how many years long had been around wrong. But my point was is that Jayon Brown was playing well during that time when long couldn't play. And that long really got a shot when Jayon got hurt. Jayon has come back. I'm still shocked he'd signed the one-year deal to come back, but you know he just hasn't been the same. But he's still athletic, to your point. But so you're not saying put the two most athletic guys out there, put your two best linebackers who are also your two most athletic combination, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it, it's ultimately those are the guys that are the best at playing the position of linebacker more mm-hmm. than anything. And it sounds like an asinine thing to say, like, of course, you're going to put your two best <laughs> ones out there. But I think there are certain things that Rashawn Evans does. There are certain things that Jayon Brown does. Um, but I'll also say, look, the emergence of Dane Crookshank on the back end and his ability to match up with tight ends has kind of nullified Jayon Brown and what he brings to the game. Yep. Uh, that it not unfortunate for him for a guy looking for a contract but uh overall been pr- a pretty good thing for the titans because crookshank has been a, a pretty much a matchup nightmare for him and what a and what a key for this titans defensive coaching staff to be able to deploy all this personnel because i think that there were some lean years in the titans where you were like okay if we lose one guy we're already starting the backup across from him. If we lose one more guy, now with the, it's been the way that way this season as well. But now you're you're starting to look at what the Titans coaching staff can do to put pressure on people. And of course, uh, uh, um, so Bowen was talking about today about his relationship and in the uh, Swart uh, talking with Schwartz every day, and just kind of getting information off him, covering things, and and having that ability to have and he didn't not like a crutch or anything, but that ability to to bounce more ideas off someone who has got experience has been a real welcome addition to the Titans staff this year. I'm not saying that that's the difference, but he did he did talk about that today. It's Thursday when we're recording this. Whenever you're listening to this out there, um, but it's it's one of those things too when you look at not only the coaching staff and what they have and what's picking, but then their personnel with screen, uh, Jackrabbit playing at the high level he is. And, and Mike and other, Mike uh, Miracles and others have pointed out that Jackrabbit gets a bad rap and he's actually been pretty dang good since about week seven on when he's been in there and healthy. So you've got those two out there you can deploy. Fulton, we don't really need to say a whole lot about it. He's just as close to a lockdown corner as you can get right now for the Titans. And then you go back to the second, past that with the safeties, with Hooker, with Crookshank, with R- Byard. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of talent out there that they can do stuff with that got to make you feel good going into this playoff run. Yeah. I mean, I've, and I've heard a lot of people talk about how it is good that they they may have an advantage because of the depth they have now built from having to play a lot of guys. And I, I, I think it allows certain groups to get a little bit creative, um, your defensive backs, but I do think it's a little overblown because ultimately you can only play 11 guys on the field at the same time. And you're not taking Fulton off the field. You're not taking buyer, those kind of guys off the field. So is the depth nice? It is because then you're not hurt as bad if somebody else gets hurt. Uh, I think that that's the nice point to have um, allows you some creativity because um, you saw in the Dolphins game where they had they had um, packages where they were rolling out Elijah Molden and Buster Screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. It gives you some additional athleticism out there, so it allows you to match up again. They have an adequate matchup secondary with anybody they go against at this point, and that's a good place to be. 
Um, I think that ultimately going against most teams, the depth, you don't, you're not complaining about it, but I don't think it's some huge game-breaking advantage. Yeah, and I, and I you touched on exactly where I was trying to guide that conversation is that not only the depth and the what if, and it's just nice to have, but they can get creative with some of their packages and be able to roll out if they want to try to stick a, a safety out, an extra safety or an extra corner out there to try to cover a certain team that likes to do certain things with the personnel. They seem to have that flexibility now where in the past you wouldn't necessarily throw – uh, once once the starters got back, you put those those fill ins back on the scrap heap, you know. So right. it's 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 a good feeling. I think that they have that um, option to them if they choose to. Now I hope they don't think themselves at some point in time because as we've said before, sometimes keeping it simple is the best forward. That's more of an offensive mantra for me. But on defense, it, it, the way that this group is playing, this coaching staff has been lights out. You heard it all year, and, and what a turnaround you know, from, from last year to this, to, to now you're approaching the playoffs with last year, approaching the playoffs with, with historically one of the worst defenses in a lot of categories to not, I won't say one of the best, but I mean, the fact that they're approaching top 10 and top 10, in a lot of them uh, or top 15 in a lot of the categories is just mind blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, and I will totally take a small victory lap here because I was touting <laughs> it from the beginning of the season, even when they were giving up points to the Cardinals, when they were giving yeah. up points. Uh, it, it, ultimately, I said, look, there are some plays there. Uh, go back to Seattle. There were plays there that they need to not give up. But we said the plays you see here are correctable. Right. They are one-offs. Right. They are big, explosive plays. You can coach that out. The Last year it was – 15 play drives where they're picking Every third up constant down. third down and 11 kind of yeah. thing that that's hard that's an issue right. that's a larger issue than hey in this package let's make sure that we're flipping our eyes earlier over to number two when we have that deep cross in front of us kind of thing it's like that that's a coaching point that you can actually go to so i think i will take my victory lap and i will say that yes i said that this defense it's not that bad and you know what right now it's pretty damn good. It's playoff caliber, you would say. Uh, Super Bowl caliber, even. Uh, that's and that's, I guess, the point we're getting at. And, and kudos to you because you you harped on that. If you want to go back and check the receipts in the in the, some of the earlier podcasts, Jonathan was hammering that. That look, they're not playing that bad. It's one or two plays here and there that's coachable, and that's what we talk about. The difference of like what coaching and just correcting the small things and three or four weeks in and you start, you start to see a steady incline in their play. And then it just kind of continued. There was no drop off. I think some people were out there. All right, when's this other shoe going to drop for the Titans defense, but they've been playing lights out uh, who has not been really playing lights out uh, as of late until like before last couple of weeks and definitely before, before um, during that little stretch of fumble itis, the Titans had was the offense, but the offense again versus the dolphins com- dolphins comes out, plays a pretty good game. I would say really good game. Again, they really controlled. They did what they wanted to do. It's it's bully ball. It's just, it's not the sexiest thing in the world. It's not, you know, the most exciting and people are probably out there bored. Like, oh, I wish they'd get flashy, whatever. No, no. You do what you have to, to to win. And that's what they did in this game. And they executed. They played well. The keys were, again, they didn't turn the ball over. They kept the quarterback clean. Again, round of applause. I have a soundboard that has an applause thing on there, but I never use it. Uh, for the offensive line, who gave up no sacks and I think only one pressure from from Q, if I remember correctly. The the lone sack came from the running back doing 
a kind of poor job cutting the blitzing linebacker, which we talked about during the game. And I think at halftime hits and everything, but that's astounding for this offensive line that four or five weeks ago was just couldn't hold up anything. And now here we are two solid games in a row from the offensive line. Well, it's also the first time that the same five, you can't, I, this one comes with an asterisk that the same five offensive linemen finished the game. Technically they didn't because they pulled Saffold <laughs> on the last drive. I think but, they pulled Jones or Lawan or somebody too. They, 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 Cause Ra- Raiden's got in there too at some point. Yeah. So r- regardless, it, it's one of those that for the intent of that statement the same starting five finished the game. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're, if you're pulling them because they, they blew somebody out, that's a little that's bit different. So a, that's I'm a good kind credit. of pull. And so I think there is something to be said about that. And look, there is a lot of reasons. If you're talking to fans right now, there is a lot of reasons for Titans fans to be excited because ultimately, and that's not even talking about Derrick Henry, but you're talking about, if I go to the defensive side, what's your weakness on the defensive side right now? Hmm. Can the secondary cover? Yes. Are the tight ends eating him alive? Nope. Can you pressure the quarterback? Oh, yeah. Can you stop the run? Yep. That's a pretty good place to be. Mm-hmm. We go to the offensive side. Now you're talking about getting the, the receivers back. The offensive line is playing consistently. Despite all of their injuries, the Titans are pretty healthy. They have essentially one big-time player. Man, I even say big time. He was a first round pick. Caleb Farley tore his ACL, but he wasn't necessarily a big time player in the, on this team. Uh, he was a guy that they, you would like to have fit in there, but not ultimately a huge loss. The Titans are coming in in a very good situation where if there was going to be a year, I don't want to be fanboyish, but things could be <laughs> lining up for him. Well, and, and, and Tannehill is, it's, I think, no one ever has accused the man of being an elite quarterback. No one's going to say that he's the he's the uh, cookie cutter version, or he's the he's a cutout of Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. But what we have been saying, and is he is the best option for the Titans currently? And when he has everything around him and everything's going like this offense is built to do, and it's not shooting itself in the foot by staying behind schedule. He's he's more than adequate, and he he does well. And you saw that again. It, the numbers are never going to 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 blow you away or anything, but it's just efficient. It's on time, and that's the big thing for this Titans offense. They stayed above uh, above the pace, which means they weren't ever behind the chains that much in this game. And when they were, they still found ways to convert. They still have found ways to hit a. It was there was a, I think a boot screen back that they finally went to that kind of got Tannehill out moving, got the defense to look at something else, and then the running backs on the backside for that big, long screen game. Uh, so they're, they're, they're doing some good things there. They're also on the boots. that I didn't see a whole lot of naked boots. In fact, I'm trying to remember if I saw one. What they did on their boots in this game was they put the, the stress on that that edge defender to try to cover the flat or to decide he's going to come up. And that's what having mobile, mobile quarterback does for you. And, yes, I am calling Tannehill mobile because he very much is. I'm not oh, saying yeah. he, I'm not saying he's an elite runner, but he's – He's, he's well above average. So you have to respect that as a defender. So when I'm saying they're putting pressure and putting putting them in kind of a uh, some some dire straits there is they're they're running a flat defender right at a flat route right at him, pressuring that zone that he's supposed to be covering. And he's got a choice. He either can come up and try to stop Tana from scrambling, or he can stay or he can disengage or excuse me, stay on the coverage and then let Tannehill can scramble. And they did that a couple of times and they also Combine that with 
in the in the past couple of weeks, the flood routes have been abysmal because they've all been having them target the same 15 yard area. Yes, those levels of five, ten, and fifteen. That's a that's a compressed area to have athletes who are covering that cover that. They finally did some things on two plays where they gave something that was attacking that corner to deep route as well. So good job by Towning Downing uh, for doing that and and being able to put some pressure on on the Miami defense. And kudos again. We said the big key to this game, the offensive line, not to harp on it again, but really good job uh, running the ball, went to the outside zone once the gap looked like it wasn't working versus that 6-1. I call it a monster front. I kind of worked my way through that today. Uh, but that 6-1-4-3 with the linebackers walked up and that gives them a kind of a, it puts pressure on, on those gap schemes to allow the linebackers a little free flow and the double, you can't really double out of as much. So what Downing do? He goes to a little more outside zone to try to counteract that. So so good job on on, on recognizing that in game and trying to work around that. But overall, I guess I've been talking for too much time here. But overall, <laughs> great job by the Titans offense, and really gives you some faith going forward, looking into this first their their first action in the playoffs on uh, once they get old 22 back and what he's going to mean. Now that doesn't, I, I don't want to, to, to sell Foreman or the other running back short, but it's definitely a, a preferred thing to have Henry back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, and that's the thing. I mean, I think Foreman has earned his place on, on the team. He's a guy that uh, can spell Henry a little bit, um, but Henry does. There's a couple different factors when it comes to Henry. And I talked about it on Twitter, despite some people's complaints and saying that it was uh, bad content. Yeah, and unfortunately, I got involved too. Ugh. Yeah, the the dude, frankly, does not fumble. And I don't care what you say. Coming from a coach, I will sit here and say, not turning the ball over is as important of a trait as any other. Mm-hmm. Holding on to the ball, not having to be concerned with losing the football. And I have been saying, from the second four men came into the game, that that was my biggest concern with Foreman. And he's, he, he is loose with the football. Watch how teams go after him. They try to get the ball out. They know that he will put the ball on the ground. So I think that is a factor. I do also think what you could see, and I talked about it when they did bring Foreman in, was the ability to uh, flex Foreman out into uh, as a pass catcher. And so I think you may see some two-back sets with Foreman and Henry. Those are two big boys out there. Mm-hmm. We know that this team is a team that likes to play bully ball a lot. And that's where you can get him out there, get him out in the pass game, or utilize a two-back set in the backfield. Right. Um, so I think outside of the very obvious of, you know, Derrick Henry was on pace to be an MVP offensive player of the year, break records while rushing the ball. Yeah, that's kind of a big get to get back. So um, there are other factors here that I think really benefit the Titans. Yeah, and and, and just to, not to harp on it, but just that that whole argument on Twitter about the they go find go search at JB on Broad, you'll find it pretty easily. It's it's just people were saying, well, he's not going to get enough carries to to be a, a that's not what Jonathan's saying. He's saying over his career he's fumbled the ball more. And all we're saying is, is that no one's really talking about that benefit of having having now a ball carrier that you trust not only to run the ball and actually be product, more productive in the rush game, but product, productive in securing the football as well. Because Derrick Henry, I hope we don't jinx him here, just you know doesn't fumble throughout his career. 
but a lot, a lot of things are clicking for the offense. Yeah, let, I guess let, me, let me also point out because I did, you know, in 1400 carries, the man has fumbled, I think 11 times. So he fumbles or something like, uh, uh, every 128 carries you're talking, he had five of them in one season. I think it was the second year that he was in the NFL. You take those five out, you can kind of see how those numbers start to change up quite a bit. Little so bit. yeah, Little when bit. you start to look at numbers and you have outliers there, you can sometimes call them what they are. They're outliers. So, um, yeah. I will harp on it because yeah. for a team that lost games because they turned the ball over 13 times in four games, they're kind of important to the team. Oh, for sure. And I don't think anybody would argue that having Henry back is, 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 is without a doubt better. Um, so let's get into that real quick. Cause I know that I, we didn't have a whole lot to say because honestly, the offense just went out and, and executed. I mean, I don't know what you want us to break down. It was one of those things where Todd Downing looks, looks like a genius in some parts because the Titans as a whole played their most complete game of the season. Probably there's an argument on, uh, if you've listened to F word this week, they actually talked about you, Jonathan, congratulations. And they talked about how you were trying to talk Zach and do if Miami was the best game of the Titans or the win over the Kansas city earlier in the year. And your argument was that Kansas city wasn't Kansas city yet, you know, and, and I were, was this Miami team better than that Kansas city team they faced back then? In your opinion, uh, it's it's close. Uh, I think Miami, the way Miami's defense was playing in this game, uh, what has been playing as of recent, I think is better than the Chiefs' defense has been playing uh, at any point in the year. We're talking about the Chiefs' defense came back came back up. To, to the crust of earth. They were never like a top five, top 10 right. kind of defense. Um, so I think it's close based on how each one was playing. Um, but maybe some recency bias. Maybe some recency, but I will, I'll say this. It's good to have a, I don't want to have your most complete games of the season, weeks four and five. I'd rather have them week 17, you know, and, and into the playoffs. So that's that, you know, that's where I side a little bit with that. But I will say that, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to have that kind of performance and the, the efficiency from the offense, but you are getting Henry back as a Titans team. And it, it was announced that he's actually got to practice this week with them designated to return. Um, what, how do you handle this in week 18? I know we're, we're, we're skipping over cause I also want to cover a couple other things as a coaching standpoint, but uh, let's touch on Henry first. Like how do you handle him in week 18? I'm probably not playing him. Um, I don't really see much of a much of a reason to. I, I'm not sure how much his success over the past few years have been him being rusty at the beginning of the season and having to get into the flow. I'm sure there's some truth to that, but ultimately I think is that the man just doesn't wear down while other defenses do playing him in week 18 is not going to change that. These defenses are already worn down. Um, so keeping him as fresh as now, I'm also not a doctor. If the doctors tell me that there is a 0% chance of re-injury of that foot based on playing him, then yeah, I'll play it. Yeah. But I need the doctors to say that, that there is no risk of re-injury. If there's even 1%, not doing it. Because there's two, there's two schools of thought here. And I, I think that the wrong answer is starting him and playing him the whole game. I think that's the, I think that's the most wrong answer you can make. Oh, absolutely. I think that the two things you need to decide between now, are you going to give him um, – five to 10 carries, let him get some, let him pop his pads a little bit and just get back into it, get him used to the game speed, which again, it's Derrick Henry. I don't think you need to do that, but he's a human being. I I, I think he's human. I mean, he finally broke something. So <laughs> we confirm he's human. He's not a robot. Um, I think that nine weeks off would be, is, is, is not 
rust related, but it's 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 good to sometimes come off and be able to against a lesser opponent get some runs in. Here's the thing: if, if those four or five runs turns into uh, 150 yards, because Derrick Henry can do that in two in two carries sometimes in an NFL game, um, you know, I, I think that. I don't think that that's going to happen, but you know, there's that school of thought where you give him a small batch of carries to try to get just that feeling back into him. Or do you just say, you know what? You got two more weeks off. Let's attack this in round two again, because we're, we're, we can beat the Houston Texans without you. I know what you're saying out there listening to this, but Ryan, they lost to them. We'll get there in a second. Lost to them earlier in the season, but we can beat them now the way that we're playing and the way that there's not going to be a monsoon on the field. I think that I my my druthers there would be to rest him in one in some capacity and get him another couple weeks before that playoff game when that man is going to be as fresh as as humanly possible and everybody else is going to be beaten down by the NFL season and then that first round game that team that defense just had to play through. Yeah, no, I, like I said, completely agree. I don't. I don't see much of a case as to why to play him in this game. Okay. So it looks like we're in agreement there. It's no reason to, 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 to beat the dead horse there. Uh, hopefully the Colts do uh, die this weekend and lose Yikes. again to the Jaguars, which interesting stat. They haven't beaten the Jaguars since what was it? 2014, 2014. So it's been, so it's been some time since they've won 2014 there in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Them. They haven't yeah. beaten them in Jacksonville, which is where they're playing. Um, I, I hope they lose because then it's, it's, it, they have to have like three things happen. And then I think that if they lose, I want to see this so bad. I want to see the Colts lose so that then you have to flip over and find the, uh, the, the Raiders, uh, is it the Raiders chargers? That's correct. They could literally just kneel out the game, tie, and they both make the playoffs. I, I, I just want to see that from a – because I think the NFL would f- frowns deeply upon that. There would be some really mad people in the stands who paid tickets. But as two franchises, you go, we really want to risk getting put out here or are we going to just just kind of shake hands and do a gentlemanly agreement somehow and just both make the playoffs? I don't know if it would happen, but I'd like for the Colts to lose so we, th- we could see the possibility. Yeah, I mean it- – I, I would be interested just to see the Chargers and Raiders scenario and see how they played it. Right. I don't think they will kneel it out, but I think what they'll do is you'll see a lot of, oh, we'll just, um, oh, it's fourth and two from the 10. We'll go for it. Oh, no, we slipped <laughs> over and see, over again. <laughs> I would talk to the co- the other coach and say, hey, do we, do you want to kneel this out? Because if there's one thing I, I want to do, I want to go into the playoffs as healthy, healthy. as possible yeah, that's as another point. team. So even just even just going through the motions risks more injuries. So, yeah, um, probably a more of a, of a risk to injury because you're not going full speed and, and people can be in wrong positions. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would talk to the other coach, but I don't know. Uh, that's not generally the way, and I'm sure Roger Goodell and the NFL would have some uh, – have some concerns with yeah, that. Something to say about that. Um, so speaking of something to say, uh, one other thing I want to talk about um, before we finish up here. If, if you don't know about this, I'm going to steal a line from Mr. Lebowski in F-Words Pod. If you haven't heard about the Antonio Brown situation uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you've been living under a rock or you're just abil- you have the ability to avoid trash things that happen. Um so just a quick breakdown, AB clearly has had a rough career since he's left the Steelers, and the Steelers saw this coming. Uh, there's a list. If you want the list, go, go and listen to F-Words as well because Lebowski gives a rundown of the hijinks 
that this person has done through their career. I, I think that he has earned some some. Eh, let's pause and see what, what all the facts come out. It's any if anything, it's it's an it's it's him because you don't want to take him at his word because he has lied, he has deceived, he has he has done some weird things in his brain. Uh, I don't know if there's things wrong. I don't know. But the situation that happened is you saw it. He was filmed taking his pads off, leaving the field shirtless, giving the peace sign, jumping around, waving at the crowd. Now there's evidence coming out that he might have been he might have planned this. There was a discrepancy on him not being as part of the as part of the game plan. This goes back, this could go back all the way to him lying about his vaccination status with with cancer survivor Bruce Arians and how that could have affected his relationship with the team. There's just so much, so much to unpack there. But what I want to focus on, Jonathan, what I want to ask you is that situation's already bubbling as a as a coach. You have that kind of a player who is has a volatile past. How would you have handled a, this entire, his situation with your team, and then B, this specific blow-up that happened on Sunday. I mean, I'll be real simple with it. A dude wouldn't have been in my locker room. Um, I just, he's ticking time bomb, has multiple things that show that he is a ticking time bomb. They got a Super Bowl out of it, so worth it, but he ain't coming back. I think you were asking for it, and the Buccaneers got what they deserved out of it. And there's certain things where you can say, hey, it's a Randy Moss, and he has a bit of an ego. A Terrell Owens has a bit of an ego. And um, get them into the right locker rooms, though, and they, they tend to, to be okay. Um, and the people that compare Antonio Brown to a T-O. Terrell Owens yeah. is – asinine to me they're completely different scenarios uh you never had to question you know whether Terrell Owens was going to show up for a game you know and that's the the things that you're having to deal with with Antonio Brown brings an entire different element to the coaching world and you don't want to have to deal with anything other than football so you, you am I concerned for his his health I mean sure I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody but I also don't want anything bad to happen to the people that he seems to be around and hurts. And then let's not forget that this is a guy that was in trouble with the law just a few years ago. Um, so there's just, I, in no way am I touching that. And I think the way the Buccaneers have handled it since then, which is completely exposing the hypocrisy, uh, what's come out there. The fact that Antonio Brown um, wants to try and play the victim card. Sorry, buddy. You had that opportunity. Um, this is what you did. And regardless of how it went down, you still walked out on your team. And there's no coming back from that. And now you start to see these signs that he may have planned it. So, which is, like I said, if only there was a way we could have seen this completely predictable thing coming. (laughs) Gestures wildly at the rest of his career. (laughs) I mean, I agree with you. I think though, just as a curious thing too, is that you don't ever want to, and, 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 and VA is a fiery man. It seems you saw he's, he's passionate. You know, you saw him kind of, the language that he used with Antonio Brown telling him to get the F off the field if he's not going to play. You know, I get all that emotion, but you also, I think you, if you've already put your situation where you have that type of personality on the, on the field, I think you also have to understand what you're dealing with and look and know that he's trying to, he possibly, is he trying to set us up here? I don't think you can, you, you and I have worked in the insurance claims business where you don't want, someone's mad and someone's looking for a reason to fight, they're going to find it, don't give them an extra reason kind of a thing. And I, th- I just think that, if he doesn't want to play, to me, you, know, you don't want to play? All right, cool. Don't bother yeah, us. And look, I'm not saying that everybody has to be this, you know, type A, and I'm all, I am all in on the need to recognize mental health with the NFL, to take away this alpha male mantra 
that that is there. Um, but I think in those situations, you have to have people that want to help themselves. As somebody who has dealt with mental issues uh, or depression, um, as somebody who's dealt with things like that, you can't just hope that somebody holds your hand out of it. You have to be willing to help yourself. And Antonio Brown ultimately doesn't. He seems to want to live in this world. Because you can't tell me that there are, not, there are issues with the NFL. There are, truly are issues with them. But there is a lot of people out there willing to help you, willing to use your platform. Look at A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sitting here saying that he doesn't have issues and he doesn't need to get help, but he doesn't seem like a guy that want, that is interested in uh, helping himself. No, and, and his his actions and activities that he chooses to, to would would actually speak to the opposite, that he wants this this clown show, he wants this rodeo, and that he, he it, it may be mental illness, it may just, as, as Lebowski put it, he may just be an asshole. Uh, you know, it's it, that line sometimes is, is a little thinner than you would probably like to admit. But, you know, maybe that's all it is. But I guess just from a coach, I think that how I would have handled it is that, all right, he doesn't want to go in. It's not my job to cut a player. It's not my job to that's, – that's something I'll talk to about with the owner after this game. Let me go back and focus on the guys who want to be here, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's definitely a crazy situation. And the like you said, you put it perfectly. The Bucks got what they uh, deserved for it. Yeah, they got a pull out of it. But bringing him back this year was a head-scratcher for sure. So uh, that's everything kind of going around. Obviously, the Bud Dupree stuff's going on as well. Uh, we were able to, at Broadway, uh, have that video. We have an article listened to. The video has been released by TMZ now with the surveillance. Uh, not sure what's going to happen with that. Bud Dupree has three weeks to, to report. Uh, obviously, it doesn't look horrible on the videos I've seen, so we'll just, we'll just wait to see what the um, – Nashville PD and then Metro, what they do with it. And then also NFL, if they do anything, but we'll, we'll just have to play it by ear and see what happens with his NFL availability going forward. But uh, if you want to take a closer look at that, don't really want to spend too much time talking about it. Uh, go check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Uh, look at the article that our staff put up uh, there and you can see the cell phone video there if you have not seen it. And if you, did see it please give it a like or something on our twitter not on anyone else's that stole it from us that's all i'll say there um so the houston game we've kind of touched on the henry thing a little bit but i think that my keys here uh jonathan just and you can give yours i think that they're, they're favored by 10 for a good reason i think uh, next to the new york giants this is the most quittingest quit football team that's just on the way out uh as well uh, they have been playing better a little bit than the Giants. The Giants have been terrible. Jaguars are up there as well. Uh, hopefully they cannot be so terrible this weekend. But, again, as long as it's not a monsoon somehow <laughs> at the Houston Stadium um, and the, the Titans hold on to the ball, I don't, I don't see any reason why this doesn't look a lot like what they just did to the Miami Dolphins, if not worse. Yeah, I mean, I think from a coaching standpoint, I, I, keeping your team engaged is going to be really important. I have no doubt that these are the that the coaches are really uh, hounding it right now. That hey, we we can't just go in here and take this lightly. We have give it everything you got. This is as important as a playoff game because sure. if you do that, you've earned the rest. You've earned the bye week right there. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you do that, maybe by the second half, there's a little bit of okay. Mm-hmm. We're at, we're in a, we're in good shape here, yep. um, but they can't go in there and take it lightly. I would be more concerned about this game if the Titans were the three or four seed. If they yes. had, if they really were hoping for some help, if they, it was kind of a long shot kind of thing, could they overlook those things? Because you don't want to go all out knowing you're going to have to play next week. But 
I'm not too worried about them being engaged. Uh, the message that should be being sent to them is that this is a playoff game. Yeah, put, them, see, put them to bed. I see a heavy run dose again from this offense. I see a heavy play action dose again from this offense. I see them trying to keep attacking over the middle, getting A.J. involved early and often, get those scores on the board, and then be able to make some decisions in that second half. Because if you can find a way to get this by again, and he just proved it this last week, Mike Vrabel's pretty good coming off a buy or a, or a long week. So look, definitely looking to get into that kind of situation. Because I think you pointed out that there's in there a chance that the, not only could it be the Titans could be coming off that first round bye, but also could be getting the team coming off of a Monday night game the week before. Oh, now I'm just going to rant about the stupidity of that game <laughs> existing. So if you're a Titans fan, the one thing you are hoping for is that, and I don't know, have they announced what which, which game is going to be that Monday night? Is it NFC not, or AFC? Not that I have seen, but I've also not looked, so I apologize. So which whatever it is, whether it's in the NFC or AFC, the number one seeds have got to be hoping for an upset in that game. Because if you're a number one seed, whether it's the Packers or the Titans, it's all it, what you're looking at is the opportunity of getting an opponent in a playoff game coming off of a bye week against an opponent that played on a short week Monday night. It's asinine that any NFL team has to play in that scenario, but that's the scenario that you're that you're lining up with. So you want to talk about an advantage, even more of an advantage than what typical one seeds will have. That one seed with an upset, just astronomical advantage. Yeah, I just did a quick look. I couldn't find anything. I don't think they've actually announced it yet. They'll probably announce it after the seedings, I would I would bet just to kind of see to see what that which one of those uh would have been a sunday games would be the biggest draw for that monday night to try to separate them out because you have the two on the saturday the one on the sunday and the one on the monday so yeah it's just that decision by them i I, money rules in a lot of areas don't kid yourself about that because that's exactly what this is it's not a it's not a good thing for the players though and and you know but hopefully it turns out to be a good thing if they decide to make that the afc game and hopefully that's the the draw that the titans get in that next round as well to give them some even a little bit more of an advantage and you know what after the years of watching this and 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 seeing last year the titans and the staff what they've built deserve this type of playoff entry in my opinion so well that's everything we had um we'll have a we'll probably have a little bit of different show next week for y'all being that uh after the houston game because we'll break that down we may have a guest or two uh seeing that with if everything plays out the way it's supposed to the titans should have that first round by so nothing to preview hopefully uh so we may have a little bit of a different show there so look out for that but before we end jonathan i saw uh ghostbusters afterlife had some really good jokes that you'd appreciate i don't know if you've seen it yet or not but what is our joke of the week so I was, I, I mean, I, I had one lined up um, and I thought, I thought better of it because frankly, I, it's been a hard year um, for a lot of people out there. And, you know, I, I know a lot of unemployed people, so um, none of them would work. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. This has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our other podcast articles, no flags, football breakdowns, and everything else that we have on Broadway Sports Media at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN, this show at Coaches on Broad, 
Check me out at Ryan on Broadway, at JB on Broad. Join me during games on Sundays. I'm going to be tweeting from that Coaches on Broad about what we're seeing. Jonathan's going to be giving me stuff to tweet as well. So join us over there, Coaches on Broad, to, during the games. Join us at halftime, post game, all that good stuff. But until next time, we out. See ya. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.